Welcome to the Step Change Podcast with me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. Now, my podcast is a series of thoughts to help you with the development of your business and make that step change that is often needed. Because we all know that if you want something different, then it's often a step change that is needed. And in this latest step change, I'm delighted to be joined by a guest and welcome Becca Cheatham. Welcome, Becca. Hello, thank you. Look forward to talking to Becca um, about her business, about mental health and about well-being. But first of all, Becca, please tell us a little bit more about your business and, and yourself. Brilliant. Thank you, Mike. Lovely to be here. Oh, yeah, I'm Becca Cheatham. I run my business, Siendo, and Siendo is all about taking care of your well-being. So everything I do is around giving people basically the tools and information so they can do stuff themselves to support them. Because often we think that, a lot of our well-being and our health, both physical and mental, are a lot of out to our control. But I'm very much about think personal responsibility as much as possible. So what can we do? Because when we feel more in control, we feel a lot more happier as well. So I do mental health trainings, so raising awareness around how we can support our mental health and others. I'm a meditation teacher, I'm a yoga teacher, and I'm also a development coach. So I have, I, you know, I do have my fingers in a lot of wellbeing pies. And I also do a lot of volunteer work on the side as well with and the NHS supporting carers and also crisis text lines. So those are experiencing a crisis as well. Mm, lots lots to do. Lots of, yeah, a suite of offering mm, in terms of, around, around wellbeing. I like that. And I, I think that's where we first met, wasn't it? I, I think we met at the uh, High Sheriff's event when uh, you were talking about a campaign that he was doing around mental health, et cetera. And I know you were inspired at that time to to run your own business and here you are now um, from that side. It's great news. So tell me a bit more about well-being then, because is it is it a phrase that's overused? Is it is it a phrase that people don't really understand? What, how would you sort of define someone's well-being? Mm, I like that. Our well-being is just our, our literally our state of being, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we operate, the way we think about the future, the way we feel in ourselves, our energy levels, all that is part of just how we operate in the world. And so there is, it is used a lot, but there's a lot of kind of misunderstanding around the fact, oh, it's just a buzzword. But if you think about it, it's just to explain our health. And so why wouldn't we use the word well-being often? Because why wouldn't we talk about our health? Why wouldn't we focus on our health? Why wouldn't we want to incorporate well-being into the workplace? Because we spend so much time in the workplace. So even though, yes, it's used a lot, I don't think it's necessarily overused. I think the only thing comes in sometimes when people misuse it. So they don't understand it or they focus on it being a woo-woo thing, like a luxury thing that, you know, oh, it's just those people over there that sit on the mountains and have incense and all, all very happy Larrys. But it's, it is, it's part of everything of life. And, and like you'll know, the more you can take care of your own well-being, the better you function across the board. So you don't just, you know, you don't just feel better, but you perform better at work. Your relationships are better. You just enjoy life more. And I'm really, I'm really passionate about getting the most out of life. So I think, I think, taking care of your own well-being it has to be part of your everyday absolutely i certainly know you like to get to the best out of life so from that side you do buzz each day i'll give you that and uh, you know i remember when i worked in the leisure industry it was uh yeah we moved from health and fitness to well-being and it, it was that it was that moment of probably a year where everybody goes don't quite get what you're talking about now but it seems to be you know, the, the common phrase to encapsulate that and i know you talk 
um, quite often now about well-being. What what are the what are your audiences wanting to know about well-being? What what are they hooking into at the moment? Mm, good question. So I it's different. So I do a bit of um, corporate and a bit of like individual stuff as well. Now, from a corporate point of view, I found a lot of people are obviously finding this year quite hard to adjust to. And change seems to be quite a common topic that people need, like feel that they need to know how to deal with it and how to just work with change in a more positive way. So I found myself doing a lot around, okay, how can you create a better relationship with change? What is it about change that you resist so strongly that is actually causing you distress? And because we're like, you know, through the pandemic, we've been going through change to change to change to change daily. And it's such a shift from our normal life that it's it's been so so hard for people to deal with so that's been a massive thing that corporates are focusing on also from an individual point of view I think a lot of people are wanting to understand themselves a little bit better so what they've noticed is so over the last over the last year or more now we've been operating a lot on adrenaline so because we're obviously we're all this stuff that's going on constantly around us is adrenaline's pumping a lot more than naturally would so a lot of people even though some have found it's been quite good to be at home and not to commute and not to have this kind of overload of social stuff they found that their energy levels have started to drop and so I think that what that's come into is the fact because we've been pumping our adrenaline for so long over the year when we're not used to doing all that that's depleted our sources of energy and so it's all about okay how can I get myself feeling better how can I kind of motivate myself to you know kind of integrate myself back into this world that we're moving back into now and and then processing that at the same time Mm. really interesting point you make actually because it's an observation i've had with a couple of my clients whereby you know i was talking to a client recently and they've halved the size of their turnover um during the pandemic which has hit them quite hard but they kept all their team going um now they've asked their team to ramp it back up and their team are now going don't think we can do that you know don't think we can do that because they've sort of like settled at a lower level in terms of what their their output may be um so really really interesting point that you make that and i, and I love you know I, I love change and uh so, so tell me a bit more you know, about this talk that you, you do around change you know what what's your sort of focal points if if i was your audience as a corporate right now what would you be telling me to think about from from a change perspective yeah but um so with change i I find it a fascinating topic and the fact that a lot of people talk about how can you manage it once it's on the go. Um, but from, from my point of view, I try and try and go from the mindset at the beginning. So often we resist change because we start fearing that thing, we're going to lose something. Even if the change is going to be a positive change, we think, what, what are we going to lose from this? What, what's going to happen to us? And also we, we expect the fact that you know, either we are, our risks and our safety, is at, you know, our safety is at risk. We start thinking about, OK, what does it mean for us now? All this stuff starts building up. And we're taught that change is bad because everyone's response and we learn it from around us all through our lives. And so what I try and do is look at, okay, why do, you, why do you resist change? What is it that triggers every time a change comes in? And then from that, how can we shift your mindset to a more proactive and more positive mindset around change? So things like, I always, I like to say, you know, change is going to be there no matter what. So you might as well put the welcome mat down for it. And if we start embracing it and, op- and opening our arms to it, then that really shifts how we approach it. And so working on the mindset first, and I help to try and reframe that before then looking at, okay, how can you manage it along the way as well? What a great phrase, the welcome mat. I like that. I love that. 
And I know you do quite a lot of work around the mental health training that you, you talked about earlier. And obviously that's a huge topic um, that's heightened during the pandemic uh, for a lot of people. So, you know, tell me a bit, bit more about that then. T- tell me about, you know, why, why businesses are engaging with mental health training now and from your experience. Mm, that has been, I think that for me has been a bit of a silver lining from the pandemic that our, our focus on mental health has really sh- shifted. Like before, beforehand, there were a group of businesses who were like, like were positive about it and being like, right, let's get some mental health training in. But it wasn't across the board. It was that there was definitely a lot more kind of like, honestly, it's really important to care about mental health, I swear. But now people are, are driving that themselves. And that shift has been because people have realized that if you invest in mental health, you're actually investing in the business. Like they don't come separately. And like little things like they, they, they found that for every pound you spend on mental health training, you actually gain 10 pound in the fact that you haven't got people taking time off work as often. You haven't got people that come to work and then just push the paper around because they're dealing with too much themselves. You've got better like team cohesion. All this stuff is at play. So it actually increases the productivity and it boosts the business like massively. So people have seen the investment is worth it. And they've seen the impact, like you mentioned uh, um, already from the pandemic, where people are not able to produce as much because their well-being levels have been taken a hit. So they've, they've seen that connection a bit more now. And what I've been doing a lot of is not just mental health awareness, but mental health first aid. Have you have you heard of mental health first aid? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it's, for those who don't know, it's obviously it's growing in awareness around mental health first aid. But mountain people I say to are, have you heard of mental health first aid? And they're like, what? That's a thing. But it's it's literally, yeah. and so it basically think I think of it as equivalent of obviously physical first aid, but it's it's a lot more in terms of you're not just preventing that person when they from hurting themselves at work you're preventing any future harm to themselves and you're spotting signs of depression and things like that so whereas you know for physical health you would someone might trip up or someone might hurt themselves or you prepare you know you know how to look after someone if they're showing signs of a heart attack with mental health first aid if someone's experiencing um, depression anxiety if you see someone having a panic attack if you are worried about someone thinking about suicide then you've got people there that are trained how to step in and support someone and that that's that's so important like there's um a really interesting stat around saying that you're more likely to come across someone who's thinking about suicide than you are to come across someone at work who's going to have a heart attack yet there's not that balance of people trained enough to deal with suicidal ideation at work so it's it's a fantastic area that's growing in popularity now in terms of people understanding the importance of it and so I've been doing a lot of work around that and yeah I love it I could talk about it forever you'll have to stop me Mike uh, I remember <laughs> when I, I used to have a, I used to have a first day training business and uh, the amount of people that then would say is that the same then if I can do a mental health training course through you as well then that's slightly different yeah, yeah. <laughs> slightly different so do you feel that um do you feel businesses are now moving because I personally had a really interesting experience around mental health and um you know a my own personal experience but also the corporate that I was working for about how they managed that and how they identified that and how they perhaps ignored that you know I, I share this quite often how um, a senior manager just pointed to a poster on the wall you know in, in terms of me to make that call that's how they sort of addressed it um how disappointing did you so do you find now businesses it's, it's less sort of like tick box scenario now it's actually we're seeing the value we're seeing the purpose of doing this 
I think some businesses still have very much tick box activity, a lot more seeing the value of it than before. I, but I think it's a natural progression. So in terms of like, you know, when when all changes have happened in work in terms of you know bringing more women into work, like back in the day, it was very much a kind of a tick box. Yes, let's represent one woman here and one woman there. And it had to go through a tick box activity until it became part of the DNA of the company. And then it became to part of like, you know, of course there would be a woman there. Why wouldn't there? You know, because it just became naturally part of the culture. And I think it almost has to go through sometimes. There'll be people that naturally like early adopters that will be like, yes, let's do this. But then there's going to naturally be people that just have to go through the process until that's all they know. And I think that that I'm, I'm happy with that as well until, you know, if that gets people trained, because once people do the training, it's suddenly like a light bulb moment. They're like, oh, of course. And they love it. They love it so much that you can't help but want to take it on board then and do stuff with it. Yeah. And should, do you find it's been the agenda being driven by the leadership teams or do you think it's being driven lower down by people who, who feel that the business needs to have this awareness? Yeah, um, lower down most of my um, visibility has been. I so there's there's a lot of HR professionals that do come on the courses. There's also a lot of business managers and people like managing people who realize that in their teams a lot of people are dealing with issues that they need to support them with and they don't know how to. So that's coming up a lot. What I find that with with leadership sometimes it's a little bit too far removed from actually what's going on on the floor depending on the business obviously as well but with mental health if it gets driven from the top then that will seep through the dna of the company when it has to be driven through and so even though there is there is interest depending on the size of the company that differs as well there's it does mostly come from the middle layers i found Okay. And in terms of a mental health first aid course, then what, what sort of thing would I expect to, as, in terms of content if I came on that course, just for, just for the listeners that haven't heard of those courses before? Mm. So in the course, it covers the whole range of mental health conditions. So it's on, at the moment online, it's broken into four sessions and each session you cover a different area. So um, the first session, we look at what actual mental health is, understanding that and looking at stress, how that impacts your mental health. And then also all the other areas that either promote positive mental health or impact it negatively and how you can kind of offset that. So it's really much about understanding mental health as a whole and putting the practices in place. Then the second session goes into suicidal crisis and depression. So how could you support someone if you did worry they were experiencing suicidal ideation? What would you do? How would you step in? How would you start the conversation? And we build up the listening skills around that as well. And then the third one is all about anxiety. So we look at, okay, how can we support someone that's potentially experiencing a panic attack? How do we support someone after they've gone through a traumatic event? All that stuff comes in. And then we touch upon self-harm and eating disorders as well. So it's they're, they're, they're full sessions. And then the last session looks at psychosis, which is the last topic area, and how would we support that? And then we think, right, okay, how do we feed this now into the company? So what, do we, what kind of processes do we need to think about? You know, what kind of things do we need to think about communicating what you do and how you can support people so it's it's a it's a massive massive amount of information and um, it's, it's intensive but it covers a lot which is fab mm. yeah brilliant news um you, you talked earlier about obviously your yoga and mediation as well and uh the one i really wanted to talk about was the mediation because Medi- a i can't meditation sorry <laughs> um I, I won't talk about yoga because i can't get into half of those <laughs> positions but uh, 
<laughs> I, I sort of really struggle with the, the, the meditation um, personally. It's one of the areas of my well-being that I've wanted to, to, to do. I just My mind's just too busy for it. So any tips for me or people like me that uh, probably f- find it a bit difficult to get into? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this... I think I think people go into meditation expecting that when you sit down, everything will go quiet. And when it doesn't go quiet, everyone's like, this is so frustrating. <laughs> and so people get lost in their heads of being like, I should not be thinking right now. I should be. <laughs> and, and actually, it's a, it's a process. And so just like, for example, if you went to the gym, you wouldn't go to the gym and be like, right, well, you might do, but you wouldn't go to the gym and go, oh, I'm going to pick up those 100 kilogram weights over there. Let's go, you know, from a never working out before. And it's the same with meditation. So you wouldn't go into meditation expecting your brain to just do exactly what you want it to do because it's spent years and years and years doing whatever it wants. It's been wandering over here, wandering over there, thinking about everything, especially, you know, if you're running your own business. Things just like, you know, you're sparking ideas. A little bit of silence will just make way for loads of inspiration as well. So that can be a real kind of simmering pot if you're expecting it to be quiet quite quickly. So always just think, I always think of it like a little, like a muscle. You're literally just working it out and you kind of go through a process of, right, maybe start with quite a lot of guided meditation where someone's talking to you quite a lot. So they're keeping you on track and bringing you back and bringing you back. And then as you go after, you know, say, you know, eight weeks or so, you can really drop off the guidance and it can, you know, you can lead it yourself a little bit more because over that time, you'll build your mindfulness muscle and you'll build that concentration because that's all it is. You're literally building your ability to concentrate on your breath, on your body. And that's all it is. It's just a skill. But people expect it straight away. And then when they don't, they're just like, why can't I be like this? And so, yeah, I, I would say be compassionate with yourself. Think of it like you're, you know, you're building up from couch to 5K and you're working through that way. And then naturally it will start to start to calm. That's an absolutely fantastic tip because that is exactly me all over, is that I am frustrated that I can't get the silence in my head because my mind is so busy and exactly that. I give myself some quiet space. I sit in my office or in the gym, just chill out. And then two seconds later, new ideas come into my mind and I've been totally distracted on what I think I should be in the room for. So that's a really useful tip, actually. Really appreciate that. Becca, really appreciate you sharing some time and some thoughts with me around your expertise, um, around wellbeing, mental health, meditation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, If people want to find out a little bit more about you, want to make contact with you, how do they do that? Yeah, my website is www.siendo.co.uk, S-I-E-N-D-O. It's Spanish for being, very exotic. Um, then you can also find me on LinkedIn, Rebecca Cheatham and Siendo on LinkedIn. And also I'm on Facebook and Twitter and other areas as well. But you can always reach me via LinkedIn as well. Super, fantastic. Well, thank you again for, for joining me, Becca, and, uh, and sharing some thoughts. Much appreciated. Loved it. Nice day. So thank you for listening to my latest Step Change podcast. As always, I hope you found the content interesting, thought-provoking and useful in terms of your own development or the development of your own business. Please do subscribe to my podcast via your favourite player. And next time I release a new episode, you'll be one of the first to know.